this message this morning is, well done, Mom. We are here to honor, celebrate mothers today for all that you mean to us and uh, as moms and wives. And we want you to, uh, to see, hopefully, what great worth you are to God and your families. In the movie It's a Wonderful Life, filmed in 1946, we see James Sturt as George Bailey. We all know this movie. The man who has given up his dreams in order to help others and whose imminent suicide on Christmas Eve brings about the intervention of his garden, guardian angel, Clarence Oddbody. Clarence shows George all the lives he has touched and how different life in his community of Bedford Falls would be if he wasn't around. Many mothers, and I think sometimes this escapes us as husbands and uh, as children, that what the moms have given up, they've given up their dreams for their their families, and what a tremendous uh, sacrifice. I, I don't know if we can grasp how really needed that you are. You are desperately needed your entire life. You are appreciated. The emotions of motherhood are universal. From new mothers stumbling through night feedings and sleep deprivation. Seasoned mothers learning to let their grown children go. Man, that's tough, isn't it? I know a lot of you said, man, I'll be glad when my kids are out of the house. But I wasn't ever one of them. <laughs> and I remember the last night that my daughter spent, as my daughter, which she still is my daughter, but Steve Hollis stole her, and I've finally forgiven him for that. I'll tell you, brother, I couldn't have picked you. have been a great um, husband and father to my grandson, so I appreciate you. I remember when Josh left home as well. That, that's tough business because in there you got a, there's a syndrome there, an empty house that you don't want to do. You think about that as a mother, if you poured your life, your love, your sacrifice into those children, and then one day they... Today we honor all moms who sit up comforting sick toddlers and crying infants, who turn up at work with shadows under their eyes, stains on their blouses and diapers in their purses, who organize carpools, bake cookies, and sew costumes, mothers who give birth to babies they'll never see, and mothers who give these children homes, moms whose only priceless art hangs on the refrigerator door, who brave the cold and the odd and the, to sit on hard benches at ball games. Who, when a child's asked, did you see me, Mom, can honestly say I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Mothers who go without so that their families don't have to. Moms who taught their children to tie their shoelaces before they started school. And those who opted for Velcro. Mothers who bite their lips when their teens dye their hair green. Or when they come home with body art. It's a stretch for moms, is it not? then when you get frustrated, you say things like, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. That's one of my favorites. Moms who automatically turn around when a little voice at the mall shouts, Mom, and even though your kids aren't with you or they're away at college, you turn around. Mothers who never stop praying for their kids no matter how old they get. And all the great stories you hear 
As I talked about Jacob, Rachel, Ethan, how many stories they're going to have to tell. And Brinley and Isley was in the car with their mom, Jill. Oh, he was going to school or whatever, but they were in the car, and they were driving down the road, and Brinley had uh, fruit roll-ups in her lunch, and Isley wanted one. She said, you can't have one. Remember for my lunch. Jill said, what would Jesus do? doesn't matter. I'm not Jesus. Good answer. <laughs> what makes a good mother? Patience, compassion, the ability to nurse a baby, cook a meal, sew a button on all at the same time. It's all those things, plus the God-given assurance that you're doing the most important job in the world. Proverbs 31 says, Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Well done, Mom. This is interesting to me. The heading in a lot of Bibles that, uh, on chapter 31 of Proverbs reads, Sayings of Kim, King Lemuel, verse 1. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance, his mother taught him. That, that's interesting to me. Did you, did you catch that? The inspired utterance that his mother taught him. New Living Translation says, An oracle his mother taught him. Definition for oracle is this. A person through whom God was believed to speak, a person giving wise or authoritative decisions or opinions. His mother taught him. Here is a king who listened to his mother. What his mother had to say, he listened to his mother's counsel. What wisdom and remarkable counsel that this mom gave to her son. You get a chance, read chapter 31 of Proverbs today. Verses 1 through 9 gives counsel to the king on how to live. Here is a mother instructing the king. We realize that in those days, the king had the power over life and death. All he had to do was speak something, and it happened. But he listened to his mom, verses 10 through 31. The mother instructs her son on the kind of woman he should seek for his wife and the mother of his children. It, it kind of, as I did, I looked at some commentaries and did some research on this. Some believe that King Lemuel was another name for King Solomon. And if you think about Solomon's life, he had, a, he had an attraction to the women. He had a 1,000 he could choose from. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I, I always said anniversaries and birthdays would have been a nightmare. But that makes sense because she's instructing him how, what he needs to do, actually. The book of Proverbs has much to say about women. How fitting for the book. It ends with wisdom coming from a mother. It's a picture of a woman of strong character and great wisdom, many skills and great compassion. The book of Proverbs begins with the command to fear the Lord in chapter 1, verse 7, and ends with a woman, a mother, a wife, who fulfills completely this command. You look at 25 through 31, 23 through 31. Her husband is well known, for he sits in the council meetings with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs with no fear of the future. What a what a, a powerful verse that is for mothers. Because I know that as a mom, you raise that child and you are protective. What did uh, Sarah Palin call Mama Grizzlies, whatever? I'll guarantee you, I've seen some of them claws and seen them big teeth. <laughs> when I was... When I was uh, Dean at camp up north with junior high kids. My premise says, 
I've got them for a week. Let's just let them live like pigs. You, moms didn't think that was funny. I had kids that never opened their suitcase all week. They wore their clothes swimming, and they washed their clothes and went swimming all one motion. Who cares? The moms did. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> this is why Diane refused to go to camp. But anyhow, what I wanted to do, they had these dormitories that I wanted to clear all the beds out and break about 10, 15 bales of straw and let them kids sleep in that straw. I thought it was a great idea. The moms thumbed that down pretty quick. But man, oh man, that, that, that's an amazing verse. She laughs with no fear of the future. So you bring these children up and you pour your life into them, and then comes that dreaded day where you have to send them off to kindergarten or wherever you send them. It's tough on moms. And with this world in which we live that we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago, God is on the throne. We have nothing to fear in this world because Jesus Christ lives within us and the Holy Spirit gives us that power to overcome. So whom should we fear? Nobody. But I know that's a good message that moms need to hear because when you send those children out in the world, it's, it's cause you a few anxious moments. When she speaks, her words are wise, and kindness is the rule when she gives instructions. She carefully watches all that goes on in her household and does not have to bear the consequences of laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. What an important role motherhood is. God's Word speaks into mother's lives. Titus 2, 4, and 5 speaks about a mom loving her children. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to care for their, of their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the Word of God. Here in Titus 2 through 4, the Greek word, Philotechnos appears in reference to mothers loving their children. This word represents a special kind of mother's love. The idea that flows out of this word is that of caring for our children, nurturing them affectionately, embracing them, meeting their needs, and tenderly befriending each one as a simple gift or a unique gift from the hand of God. There are several commitments here commandments for Christian mothers. One is availability. Morning, noon, and night, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. Involvement, interacting, discussing, thinking, processing, life together, Ephesians 6, 4. Commitment 3, teaching, the scriptures and a biblical worldview, Psalm 78, 5 and 6, Deuteronomy 4, 10. Four is training, helping a child to develop skills and discover his or her strength, Proverbs 22, 6. Spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 3 and 8. Disciplines, number five, teaching the fear of the Lord, drawing the line consistently, lovingly, and firmly. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, and Proverbs 13, 24. Six is nurture, providing an environment of constant verbal support, freedom to fail, acceptance and affection, unconditional love. Titus 2, 4, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Seven is modeling with integrity. Living what you say, being a model from whom a child can learn by catching the essence of godly living. The essence of godly living, which should be lived in your home, Deuteronomy 4, 9, 15 and 23, Proverbs 10, 9, 11, 3, and Psalm 37, 18 and 37. Here's the deal. A lot of times the majority of us put on our best faces when we come to church. 
You might just be tearing somebody up in the car, but when you get here, you don't come in here and do that. People think, hey, man, they're, they're having a good day, whatever. But here's the point. Here, here is, the, is the issue. Your kids see you at your best here and your worst at home. My premise in life is we all have uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde personalities. Now, Dr. Jekyll, he comes to church, he goes out in public, smiles, waves, pretty congenial. But Mr. Hyde, the monster, lives at home. And that's where the horns come out and the fangs and the claws because your children see you who you really are. And we can fool each other till the cows come home. But when you're home and your kids are with you 24-7, they see the real you. And so, hopefully, there's some remnants of your church life at home. Because if it's not, you are sending them a huge message that confuses them. We have some habits sometimes that kids pick up. My dad smoked himself to death at 73, and I remember him driving the truck down the road, and I always wanted to stop at these country stores, and we'd stop for lunch sometimes. I always wanted a couple boxes of those candy cigars. Now, I like to eat them. They're good. I never could smoke a whole one because I chewed it up. But you could blow them, and like white would come out, and it looked like smoke. I was the proudest kid in the world sitting there with my dad driving that truck. Had that Winston hanging out of his mouth, and I had one hanging out of my mouth too, but it didn't long. He, like he'd smoke a cigarette, and I'd, I'd do four or five at one time. Had him stuck right here in my pocket. I never could get the hang of rolling them up in a t-shirt. I, I thought that was cool, but I couldn't do that. I wanted to be like my dad. You see the message that we send. It's the same way with profanity. Parents will use profanity in front of a child, and they're shocked that that child says it. And I'll guarantee you that sometimes they say it at an inopportune time when it comes out. It's just something for us as parents to think about. Modeling with integrity. We have, that's the most important place you do it is at home. The Bible never states that every woman should be a mother. However, it does say that those whom the Lord blesses to be mothers should take the responsibility very, very seriously. It's a gift. It's like I've said this many times that we have those children and we pick them up to the hospital after we birth them and we bring them home. It's like it's like bringing a barbarian into your home. They have to learn your language, your custom, your manners, and sometimes your habits. But nonetheless, it's on you. God has given you this bundle of joy to raise for Him. That is the point, and we should take that seriously. Mothers have a unique and crucial role in the lives of their children. It's not a chore and unpleasant task. Just as a mother bears a child during pregnancy, and just as a mother feeds and cares for that child as it grows, so mothers also play an important role in the lives of the children, whether they're adolescents, teenagers, or even adults, with children of their own. While the role of motherhood must change and develop, the love, care, nurture, encouragement a mother gives never cease. So where do you find such a mother? You look around. You look for examples. And God brought me to this one from ages past. One such mother was Susanna Wesley. 20 January 1669 when she was born and she exited this life, 23 July 1742. Mother of John and Charles Wesley, if that rings any bells. It's been written about her. Although she never preached a sermon or published a book or founded a church, She's known as the mother of Methodism. Why? 
because two of her sons, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, as children consciously or unconsciously applied the example and teaching and circumstances of their home life, which the vast majority came from their mother. Susanna Wesley was 25th of 25 children. That is hard to wrap our minds around. Born to Dr. Samuel Annesley and Mary White Annesley. She and Samuel Wesley were married on 11 November 1688. Samuel was 26. Susanna was 19. Susanna and Samuel Wesley had 19 children. Nine of her children died in infancy. Four of her children who died were twins. A babysitter accidentally smothered one of her children. And at her death, only eight of her children were still alive. Stabs in the heart. Hopefully you never know that. I glance out on you as my brothers and sisters, and I know there's some of you here that has had these kind of things happen, we can become bitter and we become better. I praise God for the women that have fought through that with the help of God and became better. But I've had instances in my life when that didn't turn out so good, that they turned their back on God and walked away. She had these hardships, many hardships. Her husband had left her and the children for over a year because of a minor dispute. Can you imagine how many of us would be living single right now? If your spouse took off over a minor dispute, most of it, this guy, this place might be full of men this morning. I don't know, but that, that's, that, I thought it doesn't say what it is, but man, you got to stay in there. Because you got to hang in there. You just can't. Well, he took off. Samuel Wesley spent time in jail twice due to his poor financial abilities. And the lack of money was a continual struggle for Susanna. So here she had all these kids trying to feed them. Their home was burned down on purpose twice. It doesn't say why. During one of the fires, her son John nearly died and had to be rescued from the second-story window. She was the primary source of her children's education. After the second fire, Susanna was forced to place her children in a different home for nearly two years while the parsonage was rebuilt. During this time, the Wesley children lived under the rules of the homes they lived in. Susanna was mortified that her children began to use improper speech and play more than study. You ever send your kids play with some other kid and they come home and they got a new vocabulary, they got a new word they learned. And it's kind of shocking sometimes. So, man, where'd you hear that? Under no circumstances, Susanna said, were the children permitted to have any lessons until they reached their fifth year. But on the day after their fifth birthday, their formal education began. They attended classes for six hours. Can you imagine being a five-year-old sitting there for five hours or six hours? I think this was probably the first homeschooler. And on the very first day, they were supposed to learn the whole of the alphabet. They had to learn the entire alphabet in one day. All her children except two managed this feat, and these seemed to Susanna to be very backward. The children got a good education. Daughters included, they all learned Latin and Greek and were well-tutored in the classical studies that were traditional in England in those days. Susanna Wesley was a Proverbs 31 mother. She was a godly influence. Her influence on her sons bears witness today. Because of her, the Methodist Church and John and Charles started that Methodist Church is in over 130 countries with 12 mem- over 12 million members. John Wesley rode 250,000 miles on horseback. He preached over 40,000 sermons. Charles Wesley, the worship leader, wrote over 6,000 hymns. What a mother! Her sons have won tens of thousands of lost children to Christ. Proverbs 31 29. Many women do noble things. 
you surpass them all. What would be said to you, Ma? This verse apply to you. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. I hope this morning that in the minds of your children and your husband, that's the way they see you. So we say, well done, moms. We want you to feel appreciated and honored today and realize the how important you really are to God and His body, the church. There would not be a lot of churches open today if it hadn't been for godly mothers. They hung in there when their husbands shirked their responsibilities. They hung in there and fought and did what's right. And when those children says, you know what? I want to stay home with Dad today. And the mom looked at him and I says, no way. You're going to enjoy me. There's a difference in that. And that, that puts a tremendous responsibility on husbands as well. How important you are to the church and to God and to your husband and to your children. And I pray that if your mother is alive, if you are that fortunate today, that you have a time where you can give her a hug and tell her how much you love and appreciate her. Lord, I love you and I thank you for these women. Thank you for these women who have stood in the gap, that have sacrificed, who have given their lives to raise their children. And I just pray today that they are truly appreciated for their efforts. And I'd ask a special blessing on them from you, Father. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. We're going to end with this clip entitled Mighty. So happy Mother's Day to you, girls. who say that this is ordinary, but don't let that fool you. Mother will always be the bravest, least ordinary, most difficult, utterly challenging career that anyone ever hopes to lay claim to. While others might hear, diaper changer, food maker, laundry doer, carpooler, bottle washer, sweatpants wear, life on hold, want to be doing anything else, woman. The truth is, whether it feels like it some days or not, you are in fact a shelter from the storm. You are a cape of good hope. You are a warrior who will do battle for your children's hearts, souls, attention, innocence, education, and memories. Go to battle, my friends. This is your time. We will hold strong on either side of you. We will pray for those bottles through the dark watches of the night. And when doubt comes and children break, when adults fail them, and when they push and push as hard against us as the day we deliver them into this world, we will not be broken. We may ache and see cracks tear through our hearts, but we will get up again tomorrow, and we will load the clothes and the words that need to be said again and again and again. when the world tries to claw at them, to break them, to smash the beauty in them. May our walls hold true. May the lessons we've told 
the truths we've lived, the life we've spoken into them come back easily, predictably, with wash and repeat ease. Kingdom business, Jesus' work, this shaping of souls, this raising tiny humans. There are those that say this is ordinary. Don't buy it for a second. Mighty. You are mighty because you, Mother. 